Hello, this is Ben Eshmade and welcome to the King's Place podcast. On this edition, I speak to musician and arranger John Metcalf, who has worked with everyone from Peter Gabriel to Blur. John Metcalf promises a radical listening experience with his mini festival entitled Monomedia. He'll perform In the Dark, joined by Matthew Herbert's new radiophonic workshop, plus his also concerts from electropop legend Thomas Dolby and Goldfrapp's William Gregory with the Moog Ensemble, featuring Porter's Head's Adrian Utley. I'm here backstage with John Metcalf. You're kind of a man on the mission. Yeah, I um, when I was uh, in a train quite a few years ago and all the lights were out, it was actually I found I found it very exciting. Not having to look at any other passengers was was a bit of a bonus. Probably them not having to look at me as well. I think something happens when you turn lights off. It has always intrigued me that what would happen in a concert if that happened. The only time that the lights are off in a a live show is in between numbers or at the beginning of the set. When the lights drop, the crowd go, wow! Well, maybe not so much at the the Wigmore Hall, but there is a a very palpable sense of anticipation that builds in the room when you turn the lights down. And I I should say that uh, it's a little disingenuous to say that the concert will be completely in the dark because there are things that have to happen like we have to be able to see the piano see the keys um i mean i <laughs> i play fistfuls of wrong notes <laughs> as it is with the lights on but it could get uh, uh, exponentially worse uh, if i really can't see what i'm doing i suppose that there is a degree of uh, well a personal issue that i have sometimes when i'm at a concert and i'm watching what's going on i find that my attention is very visual and i'm watching people play and i'm wondering about how they're actually because i can see their facial expressions um, or what they're wearing i'm thinking oh they've made a bit of an effort they've got a nice pair of shoes on or this person is i can see that they're nervous or they are perhaps pretending uh, to be more involved emotionally in what they're doing than not. It might be the 50th night on a very gruelling tour and they just want to go to bed. Or, And, and also to say that obviously some people, are, mo- most musicians are fully engaged and, and might make facial expressions that are not of their own volition. They don't know what they're doing when they're in the moment. And that's all part and parcel and it's all, you know, perfectly legit and great and that's what, what most people like. But I wanted to experiment and see what would happen when you actually remove that entire aspect of a show. I, I've never tried it before. We're going to have a rehearsal and try and turn the lights off, but we're going to be rehearsing during the day, so getting any uh, blackout in the rehearsal venue is going to be tricky. But I want to, I think underneath all of this, I, I, I suppose I want to actually try and find a way of intensifying the relationship between the performer and the audience. Because I think what a lot of bands and uh, musicians do when they have a lot of staging, dry ice, big light show, video, dancers, costume changes, all that kind of thing, they are trying to make the show more intense, to maximise. And I'm not sure that it always works for me. Sometimes I'm just left completely cold because I'm looking at a bunch of dancers, but um, it's like, yeah, what about the music? So that's what this is essentially aimed at trying to reconnect audience and performers with the reason why we are there which is to share in some music making in the room so we've got this different approach this kind of inverse gimmick i suppose that yeah (laughs) thanks i get well yeah i mean you're right it is a gimmick i suppose i would hope that it's the reason for doing it has integrity but i think yes it's a gimmick and and it, it simply may not work it may fall flat on its face and be revealed for being uh in its own perverse way, as much of a selling, trying to be a selling point as um, having a big video screen up. (laughs) 
I, I, what I wanted to say as well is the fact that if we if we t put this to one side for a moment, obviously it is an important factor of what, you, what you're doing, but it, the music, you've programmed an absolutely a feast of, of sonic delights. Thanks. Well, I think all of the performers involved are, they're utterly serious about their art. They're utterly serious about what they do. I don't think there's any pretense or effect you know, and they've also been, they've been doing it for, we've all been doing it for quite a while. And certainly in the case of the Radiophonic Workshop, they've been around for a long time. And that's a, a very exciting thing. And I the, the Radiophonic Workshop are actually uh, creating uh, new instruments uh, for the show. I have no idea what they are. Uh, so I'm, I'm very interested to find that out. So the other performers, the, the the Moog Ensemble and Thomas Dolby, were, were they were they people that you, or, or in, in the case of Thomas Dolby, was was it someone that you were a fan of that you had his records and you've encountered at some point? That's exactly right, Ben. Yeah, I I um I was a huge fan, you know, with Wind Power and Hyperactive and and all that because that was when I, you know, as a a younger man, I was very intrigued by anything electronic. Um, and the way that people used electronic instruments. And of course, he's one of the key figures in that area for me. And I did meet him several years later down at Real World. In fact, only like a year, two years ago. I had a gut feeling that he would be into what this series is about. I mean, obviously, paradoxically, with with uh, Thomas Dolby and with Will Gregory, they are both showing films as well. So the monomedia thing is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, for that part of the show because uh, Thomas is um, uh, premiering The Invisible Lighthouse and uh, Will Gregory is, is showing The Service of Tin Henman and I don't know if you've seen that but it's a, it's a really fantastic film of about 40 minutes slowed down to the whole 40 minutes is one Tim Henman serve ultra slow motion with you know the music created with, with to reflect that with that in mind and I just thought that this might press their button in some way and thankfully it did I'm absolutely delighted they both said yes you spent the last few years working quite heavily with Peter Gabriel on various album projects but this is kind of I, I see as a, a way of getting back to your own music which you've, you've been working on throughout, throughout your musical life yes that's absolutely right the the journey with Peter was thrilling I mean utterly thrilling and to be at liberty to work with and for a live orchestra, I mean, as well as for a legendary, amazing um, musician and singer, was fantastic. It was a very intense experience, for sure. And there was a lot of pressure on it as well. It was very onerous to be working with somebody as, as well known as he is, but also to be helping him uh, to reinterpret songs like Heroes by David Bowie. It's like, you know, having these people like Paul Simon and Elbow and David Bowie, and, you know, kind of imaginary looking over your shoulder. Are you sure you want to do that to my song? Are you really sure? And certainly while some people absolutely loved the interpretations, you know, and actually some of the, some of the artists really did as well, some people were really cross, got really cross. How can you do? And they have ownership of the song. They're saying, how can you do this to a song that is, you shouldn't mess with it? Because actually what you're doing is messing with their emotional memory. There was always at the back of my mind, I am was missing, you know, it's like you go away on the most incredible holiday to a paradise destination, but actually there's a small part of you after a while that thinks, well, you know, actually I did, although it was raining, I, you know, I, I liked, I liked where I was as well, and I want, and I now need to get home. 
and and the band um could we talk a little bit more about them they're, they're sort of collaborators as well i believe i i think it's uh you can't be on stage i mean it's called the john metcalf band for lack of any other you know i mean I, i've tried over many years to think of a good you know but but it really should be called a non-specific, you know, a non-name name, if you if you like, you know, wardrobe or iron or because you know live it would just be me with a laptop, and you know people are very used to that now, and of course there is a big large orchestral element to what I do, which does have to um, because there's no budget unfortunately because it's not Peter Gabriel anymore to have a live orchestra playing it. There is a certain amount of that that goes on, but without any degree of spontaneity and also the fact that I've known the other musicians, you know, Louisa and Simon and Ali for years and years and years it wouldn't be a proper live show i think i think there wouldn't be anything really particularly interesting or new to connect with the audience to get the music to come across in a live situation it would be like just remixing the album live and they're wonderful musicians you know they really bring their own flavor to it and you know we do that thing it's a band you know we bounce off each other's ideas and all of that kind of stuff so it's cool the, the the most scary question I could probably ask you, which I'm going to ask you now that Great. I now that I thought Come of it, on. is how how do you describe your sound? I mean, if I was to sum it up, I suppose, and when you see reviews written of your music, is is is, is that pulse, the energy, the the dance, which could go back to Reich or being influenced by that kind of thing, but could also be influenced by your time in the hacienda. Yeah, well, that's exactly where I'm from. I have always loved moto rhythms. Uh, I love Reich's, Reich's music. Um, you know, I played a lot of it with the quartet. Played different trains, particularly as that, that has definitely been a huge influence. That's a, an, a, a tremendous, un, unbelievable piece of music, and obviously craft work. And yeah, dance music, electronic dance music. You know, going way back to my days in, in Hacienda, you know, and beyond. But it's also, although that music is very organic to my mind, people say craft work. You know, who don't like it say it's cold, but I think it's very human music. But I like to also have something that's more organic, but that has real shape as well. That you know, so that you're not listening to something at the same BPM at the same roughly same dynamic for five minutes. You know, and stuff without drums as well. Stuff that is uh, well more classical in its in its background, more ambient. Uh, I told you. Well, I, you know, you're going to get a rubbish answer. Cause I can't. I can't properly describe it. I think it's. Um, you know, because it, like like we were saying before, it's not it's not dark step. It's not particularly minimalist. It's it's influenced and informed by lots of different uh, genres. So, with a sort of hint of history with the Radiophonics Workshop or the the Moogs, uh, sort of maybe referring to Wendy or Walter Carlos. You know, it, it's a really in depth selection of concerts that you're asking people to maybe encounter in in the dark. Yes, and and I know that not necess- people won't necessarily have heard Will Gregory's Moog Ensemble. I mean, they, they I'm sure there'll be thousands of Goldfrapp fans who know his work with Goldfrapp, but aren't necessarily familiar at all with you know the other work he does as a, an independent uh, composer away from Goldfrapp. It's one of those gigs where you've simply got to serve up the meal and hope it smells good and that people will come and have a taste. You know, you've got to take it on spec, on trust, or enjoy a sense of adventure. And, you know, and the, and the, and the dark thing, I think, actually, I'm fairly confident it'll work because I think that people will reconnect with something perhaps they used to do. You know, we are, the lights are always on everywhere you go. You know, even you look up at the night sky, there's light pollution, it's everywhere. And I think that it's, this is, the other thing to say is that these gigs are not about chilling out at all. They are quite the opposite. They're actually about that moment when the lights go off and it's like, oh, wow. And it actually becomes very 
more intense um, and hopefully more profound in some way. Would you advise carrot eating before attending? No, don't eat any carrots for a week because that'll only help you to see in the dark more. I mean, you know, the, the, there are logistics to this. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, what's the best way to actually get close to the dark? Because as I said, said before, you know, there are going to be exit lights and laptop lights and stuff. So I'm thinking actually that what I'll do is ask musicians to be in the dark themselves in these dressing rooms. So they're used to the dark. Keep the lights on in the hall absolutely full before, you know, while the audience are coming in. And then the moment the gig starts, drop the lights. So the audience are not used to the dark, but the musicians are. So they can actually see their way on stage without breaking a leg. (laughs) So with the lights firmly back on, I can now read the John Metcalf Band plus special guest, the new Radiophonic Workshop will perform on Saturday the 11th of May. Thomas Dolby performs The Invisible Lighthouse on Thursday the 9th of May and there's Will Gregory's Moog Ensemble, as we mentioned, on Friday the 10th of May. For more details about any of these events, please visit kingsplace.co.uk. Tickets for all events start from just £9.50 online. Thanks for listening.